Hey, I just want to remind you that Christianity is not about a bunch of rules and religion. It's about a relationship with a person named Jesus. And everything you need, you're going to find in the person of Jesus. In other words, if you need peace, Jesus is your peace. If you, if you need healing, Jesus is your healing. If you need provision, Jesus is your provision. I know all of us are facing situations in our life, and I just want to point us to Jesus for a moment. Would you close your eyes? Let's pray together. Father, I pray today that Jesus would be lifted up. Lord, as we come to you, Lord Jesus, we know that in you is all the treasures of heaven. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in you. So I'm praying, God, that healing is released in the house today. I'm praying that peace is released. I'm praying that faith is released. I'm praying that provision is being released because Jesus is in the house. We thank you for it. Somebody say amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can be seated. Thanks so much for coming today. Hey, today was the first day that we had pre-service prayer before second service. And I just want to invite you to be a part of that. Um, we changed service time for first service to help you guys in second service. So you, you owe them uh, a little bit of thanks. But uh, we just really believe in the idea of seeking God and, and making this a house of prayer. As a matter of fact, we had a great mega worship night on Wednesday night where we just worshiped and prayed and spent time in the presence of God. It, it's really a part of the calling um, and the identity of the Rock Church. And so uh, we're having a prayer time before first service, 845, and that service starts at 915. 15-minute prayer time. And then we're having a, a prayer time for second service, 1045, 15-minute prayer time. Then you get a 15-minute break to do whatever you need to do. Get a coffee, go talk to somebody, go to the bathroom, whatever you need to do in that 15 minutes. But I just want to invite you to be a part of that. Make that a part of your Sunday morning uh, routine of just, you know, setting time aside to worship the Lord. I've been asking the Lord to give us 100 people uh, in our prayer times. And so we had 82 people in first service prayer, and we had 50 people in second service prayer. So that is over 100, but I would like to see 100 in each one. So I just want to in encourage you that to not let first service beat you. And uh, let's fill this place with prayer and worship, and it's going to be an amazing thing. I'm excited today uh, to share a few thoughts with you that uh, have kind of been a, um, a pivotal uh, concept that I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me this 20-plus years ago. And uh, I, I'm, we're going into this as we're walking through the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're starting in Hebrews chapter 7 today. And, uh, and this has given me an opportunity to kind of 
revisit an idea that uh, you may or may not be in touch with, uh, but I think it's, it's a big part of uh, how we are called to accomplish what we're called to accomplish here in Western North Carolina. So I want to talk about the royal priesthood, the royal priesthood. I know that doesn't sound exciting to you yet, but what you have to do is give me a couple of minutes to sort of set up the dominoes uh, for this and kind of walk us through a few ideas that are going to be a little bit more uh, oriented towards teaching, but it will set up the dominoes for us to kind of dive into some things that I think we can apply to our lives. So Hebrews chapter 6, the last verse of it is kind of giving us a running start into Hebrews 7. And uh, let me pick up there. Hebrews 6 verse 20 going into Hebrews 7. Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Everybody say Melchizedek. That's a good name. You've probably been thinking about naming your baby that. But uh, for this Melchizedek, everybody say Melchizedek. (laughs) Thank you for seven of you that said it. Uh, King of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part or a tithe of all the spoils that he had, was first of all, talking about Melchizedek, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Dropping down to verse 11, it says, it now perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, the Old Testament style of priesthood, for on the basis of it, the people received the law. What further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek? Everybody say Melchizedek. And not be designated according to the order of Aaron, for when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. So I want to point out that this guy, Melchizedek, was a king and a priest. Uh, he, he, the Hebrews is teaching us this idea. The whole book of Hebrews is teaching us this idea. The new covenant that is found in the New Testament is a better covenant than the old covenant. And that G- Hebrews is pointing us always to the fact that Jesus is the high priest of this new covenant, this new arrangement with with God, a different arrangement than there was in the old covenant. Um, And there there is this idea of priesthood where priests connect God to man and man to God. And I don't know how many of you share my history, but uh, I was raised in a Catholic kind of tradition where we were essentially taught the idea that the priest is the connection to God, and the way that I would have a connection to God is to have a connection to the priest. So we weren't really taught to uh, read our Bibles. The priest read the Bible, and uh, we confessed to the priest, and I remember doing my first confession. I'm uh, seven years old. I'm in second grade. I'm trying to think of what awful sin I have possibly committed by the time that I'm seven, and the only sin that I could really um, confess was the fact that I was 
cutting up with my friends in church before confession. So, uh, but there was this idea in sort of in the Catholic tradition that, that a priest kind of stood between us and God. But the Protestant tradition that Martin Luther introduced way back in the day was the idea that every one of us has access to God. No, no man stands in between us and God. Our connection with God is Jesus right? So, but the idea of priesthood is a priesthood connects God to man and man to God. The model of priesthood for the old covenant was the Levitical priesthood. It was the, they were offering sacrifices and people would come and have the priest offer a sacrifice so that they could be forgiven of their sins. But the model of priesthood that this passage is telling us, and we'll see many others, is built not on, not on the Levitical priesthood or the, or the priesthood of Aaron, but the model of priesthood for the new covenant is a guy named Melchizedek. Everybody say Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek we get introduced to in the Bible uh, in Genesis chapter 14. And I just want to read that introduction to you. It's just a couple verses. Um, verse, Genesis 14 verse 17, after his, Abraham's return from the defeat of Cheddar Laomer. That sounds like a real cheese head. Come on. And <laughs> that's a good joke and you know it. And the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley. So here is Abraham returning from a victory that God has given him uh, over, uh, over a king. So verse 18 says, Melchizedek king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now, he was a priest of God Most High, which in the original language is the, is the, the word El Elyon. And you're going to find in the Bible that there are many uh, Hebrew or Greek words that are just translated God, but they actually give nuance to meaning. So like El Shaddai would be God Almighty. Here is Melchizedek, who is priest of God Most High, El Elyon, and the Bible actually tells us what that means. He blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God Most High, or El Elyon. El Elyon, God Most High, is the possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth, a tithe of all. So I see that there's kind of four elements that are included in this idea. First is that um, Melchizedek is king. Uh, he is the king over a certain apportioned place of land, king of Salem. And then he is also a priest. And then he is not only just a priest, but, but specifically he is priest to God Most High, El Elyon, who is the possessor of heaven and earth. Not just a God who is a God in heaven, but a God who owns the earth. And then there is, then there is the concept of the tithe, uh, and, uh, which I'm going to probably talk about a little bit later. But here is Melchizedek, who is this king priest. He is king of Salem. He is king over a certain portion of land. He doesn't have authority over all pieces of land, but he has an, an apportioned sphere of authority. 
And what I want to take us in our thinking is to recognize that, that Jesus is a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, and we are regular priests, if you will, of that priesthood. And God has a portion to you, God has a portion to me, God has a portion to us, a sphere of authority over a piece of the earth. In other words, your place on the planet is apportioned to you by God. And that, that place might be, uh, it might be a house. It, it includes that. It might be your calling. Uh, it might be your job. It might be your promotion. It would be your family. That God has apportioned to you a, a, a sphere of spiritual authority. He is, he, so, so he is the king of Salem, the king over a piece of land, but he is then his priest also of Most High God, the God who is the possessor of heaven and earth. There's a lot of verses that talk about this in Hebrews, but here's another one, Hebrews 5 verse 10 says, Jesus is designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus is not just a high priest according to uh, the order of Aaron, the Levitical priesthood, which was never given a piece of land, which was only given, it said your only inheritance is the Lord and your worship to God, but Jesus is not a priest after that order. Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. I'm setting up my dominoes uh, to, to take us somewhere, and the idea for, for you and, and I is to understand that Jesus is the high priest of a priesthood that you and I are now regular priest of. We, we have a priesthood. No person needs to stand between us and God, but our priesthood is a king-priest priesthood. It's, it's, a, it's a royal priesthood that God has given to all of us. So here's where I actually originally got this idea was 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Everybody say a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we understand that our identity, uh, our self-image is a recognition of here's what Jesus has given to us. Here's who I am in Jesus. I'm never righteous in myself, but I am righteous when I am in Jesus. I am never blessed because I've done good enough to be blessed, but I am blessed because I am in Jesus. And it, it's a huge piece of thinking to get straight is to understand that, that who I am is who I am in Christ. So the Bible says you are chosen. You're not an accident. You're not haphazard. You are a chosen race. You are a, a royal priesthood. You are, you are a, a priest with king authority. You are a king with priest privilege. You have access to God. You're a king priest. You're a kingdom priest. Every one of us is. 
Revelation 5.10 says, you've made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God. And, and this is where it's taking us. And they will reign upon the earth. So here's what I want to say is that, that our priestly activity, uh, our, our worship to God, our prayer life, our, our priestly activity brings a release of godly authority. So we release royal authority with priestly activity. You with me, second service? So what I want to say is your worship carries authority. Your worship is releasing God's authority into the earth. Your worship is releasing God's possession of the earth. Your prayers carry authority. I don't just go to pray so that I could be comforted. That may happen on occasion, but I got to realize I'm a king priest. God's given me authority in the earth, and I release that authority through worship. I release that authority through prayer. As I do my priestly activity, I release godly authority. God owns the earth. There's a piece of it that he set apart for me. There's a piece of it that he set apart for you. You're, you there's a lot of people that move to Asheville because they think Asheville's cool. And we have tons of beer. But then when they start looking to buy a house... They find themselves up against a battle because especially God-loving, God-serving, God-worshipping people, you know there's a spiritual battle on to keep them from getting planted in a city that God would call them to. Maybe your house is going to be released to you through your priestly activity of prayer and worship. Come on, somebody. Maybe you're, maybe you're fighting on the wrong level. Maybe you're, maybe you're trying to figure this out on the wrong level. Maybe your next promotion is going to happen because of your priestly activity. Maybe you're finding that special someone that you've been trying to work it all out on your own but maybe as if you would really set yourself to worship, not just worship, but understand, when I worship, I release God's authority. When I pray, I release God's authority into the earth. That's why, that's why I'm still insistent that this whole church is a worshiping church. Not just the first three rows. Amen. Everybody in the first three rows clapping their hands. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this guy talk about a church he went to in Brazil, and he said, here's what was amazing to me. Everybody was worshiping full tilt all the way up in the back row. And I'm thinking, that's how church should be. Worship is not the activity of the super spiritual, the super special. It's the activity of the house. 
When we, come to, when we come to church together, and we got to understand worship is not just the 20 minutes or whatever that's before the message happens. We are releasing as a church, God has assigned a piece of the earth to the rock church. There's, there's, there's stuff we're supposed to do that is no other church can do it. We're called to do it, and Part of the ad assignment is that we are a worship with authority house from God. We are, we are a prayer with authority house of God. We're a royal priesthood. We are king priests, priest kings. We're not just priests. We have a relationship with God. We're not, we're not just kings who order things around, but we have, we have authority given to us. And so Melchizedek is this king and this priest. He's the, he's the priest of El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth. And just to remind you that your relationship with the Lord is not just a heaven relationship, but it's actually supposed to make a difference on the earth. Psalm 89 verse 11 says, the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours. The heavens are yours, but Asheville also is yours. Western North Carolina also is yours. The world and all it contains, you have founded them. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. There's no shortage in this world. All it contains, there's so much available, and God owns it all. The earth is the Lord, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Heaven is the Lord's. Well, we know that, but I'm here to remind you that the earth is the Lord's, and all it contains. The God who possesses heaven, the God who possesses earth, has given you, has given me, has given us together an inheritance in this earth. There's, a, there's, an, uh, there's an earth dimension to what we do, but there's also a heavenly dimension to what we do. And I believe that we literally release God's rightful ownership of the earth when we engage in worship and prayer. We're taking possession of what he owns. I know there are people that look at Asheville and they, they say Asheville is the sweet cesspool of sin. And I stand and say, you know what? We are standing on the walls of our city and declaring that Asheville is going to become a praise to God in the earth. Asheville's a unique place. And God's looking for somebody who will stand in the gap to release his will into this place. And then out of our place of worship, out of our place of prayer, we go, we walk out in obedience to what God has called us to do and told us to do. So, so everything we do in the natural is what we've already seen and heard in the place of prayer and worship. All right. All my dominoes are set up. Now I want to now, now preach. Psalm 110. Uh, let's go there. Psalm 110, verse 
And there's several verses that talk about this concept of Melchizedek and a royal priesthood. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, God says to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power, in holy array, from the womb of the dawn, your youth are to you as the dew. Verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is the high priest of the priesthood that we are the regular priest of. And there's a, there's a I believe, a paradigm of this new breed of royal priest that if we get it, God can do great things in us and through us. Anybody want that? Come on. So the first thing I want to talk about is this, that you got to get a revelation of God's greatness. Verse 1 says, the Lord, God, Father, says to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. All the enemies of the plans of God are going to become a footstool for the feet of Jesus. So let me just help us understand something. We are involved in an enterprise that cannot fail. All of history is marching toward this. God is ultimately going to make everything come under the submission of Jesus' lordship. Every knee is going to bow. Our adherence to this kingdom, there are a lot of things that will come and go on this planet. But God has sovereign rule over all of history. Revelation 11, verse uh, 15, my friend David Shibley was asked one time, can you give us a political statement? And he, his response was built out of this idea. He says, here's my political statement. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. That's our political statement. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24 says, Then comes the end, the ultimate end, when he delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father, who, when he has abolished all rule, all authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And what I want us to remind us of this morning is we got to get this revelation. God has sovereign rule over all history. We, the church, are God's plan for advancing his kingdom on the earth. And what we're involved in is the only thing that could never fail. 
The terrorists do not rule. The communists, you don't even hear about the communists anymore, do you? But the communists, when I was young, uh, I remember the communists were, were thought they're going to take over the earth. In a day, the wall fell. Before my time, Hitler and Nazi Germany, people thought they were going to take over the earth. But ultimately, their rule never eventually won. I just want to remind you, we're in a kingdom that cannot fail. We're a part of an enterprise that cannot fail. The, the Democrats don't rule. The Republicans don't rule. Come on, I've been around long enough. I've seen Democrats in majority. I've seen Republicans in majority. Don't get hung up on the political thing because that is ultimately not going to be what tells the story. I'll tell you what's going to tell the story. The kingdom of God marching forward in the earth. God, God is ultimately in charge of all of human history. I, I, made, a, I made an investment in Apple stock. Apple, Apple uh, just turned uh, the first trillion dollar company. Seems like there's no way for an end to come. Actually, matter of fact, I like Apple because I bought a bunch of Apple stock about 10 or 15 years ago. And I say, thank you, Apple. But I also want to say this, there will come a day when Apple will become just like Toys R Us. Amen. But the church will always be present in the earth. And I don't know what reports you're listening to, but the truth is, people, you know, on secular news, they want to say the church is marginal, the church is not, any, they don't even have any idea what they're talking about. There, there are stronger and better and uh, more Christ-advancing churches than there's ever been in history, and we're going to keep marching forward. <laughs> Jesus is coming back for a victorious church. When I, first, when I first gave my heart to Christ, we were given the idea that this great apostasy was going to make the church shrink to nothing and Jesus was going to kind of come and rescue a few of us out of here. But I just want you to know that that is, that is not the case at all. He's coming back for a beautiful bride. He's coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. He's coming back for a victorious church. I remember when... I remember when, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I was in this little church, uh, which I'm grateful for because I met Jesus in it, but um, we had about 100 people in our church, and we'd grow to 120, and then somebody would get mad about something that was going on, and they'd get a deacon talked into being mad with them and getting offended, and they, a bunch of people would leave. We'd be back to 80 people. We'd go to 120, and I'd hear these songs about the church triumphant is alive and well, and I would think, you ain't never been to my church 
Anybody ever been to that church before? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah? But I just want to tell you, church, we are involved in an enterprise that cannot fail. The greatness of God is being released in the earth, and it's being released to his church. So let's change the conversation from, here's what my previous church experience has been, and let's take the conversation, here's where we're going for the glory of God. The second idea is this is number two is that we are indispensable to his plan. We are indispensable to his plan. So Psalm 110 verse 2 says, the Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Now the scepter of the king was like an extension of his authority. The, the court jester would come out and he would perform or she would perform and the king would, would go with, with their scepter. Funny, let them live. Not funny, that's tough. And, and the, king, the king would be able to designate honor or condemnation just by extending his scepter in a particular Direction. The Bible says the people of Zion, which is the called out people of God, God extends his authority in the earth through us. So here's what I want us to remember is that without him, we cannot do his will in the earth. But without us, he will not do his will in the earth. We are the extended, God owns the earth, but he's placed the earth, he gave the earth to Adam, Adam as a man sinned, handed the earth over to the enemy, Jesus came back, Jesus came rather to win back what God had originally planned, now God's put the earth under our authority, if you're ever going to find a move of God, it's going to happen because a person got in there, Started praying, started believing, started worshiping, started reaching, started making something happen. We think the sovereignty of God pours out in places, but the truth is, it's when a person called by God, anointed by God, in other words, every place that you go, God is wanting to use you to extend his kingdom. A praying people releases the sovereignty of God. We literally justify God's action in the earth. God can, God can do anything he wants. What he wants to do is continue to honor the fact that he's given the earth to us. He owns the earth, but he does what he wants to do in the earth through us. So here's, here's how to understand it. You're driving the church today. You're late The sign says 35 miles an hour. And don't lie in church, but who drives 35 miles an hour down Monta Vista Road? All right, three of you. That sign won't make you drive 35 miles an hour, even though it's the decreed law. But get a policeman right behind you. Your heart will start beating. Your stomach will get tight. You're checking around. Do I have anything? 
I, we went on vacation. I got pulled over. And I, I was like, I wasn't even going fast. But I got pulled over, and I'm thinking, why are they pulling me over? So the police guy says, he says, you didn't use your turn indicator to change lanes on the interstate. I'm going, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> he let me off with a warning. I'm just saying, just because God said this is so, it doesn't happen until a believer shows up and says, my presence says amen. My worship says amen. My prayer says amen. Come on, can you hear what I'm saying? He, he, wants, he wants to release his ownership of the earth, but it has to be released through us. And then the third thing is we got to have a, a ruling mentality, a ruling mentality. So verse 2 again of Psalm 110 says this, the Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. If you're waiting for everything and everybody to get just right before you get in gear, you're going to be waiting a long time. Every promised land has walls, has giants, has difficulties in front of it. And I'm saying you and I have got to learn how to rule, how to bring the rule of God in the midst of our enemies. We got to carry this victorious spirit in the midst of every difficult situation. My situation it's not going to tell me whether I pray. My situation is not going to tell me whether I worship. My situation is not going to tell me whether I'll serve God. My situation is not going to tell me whether I'll pay tithe. No, no, no. I'm going to rule right in the midst of my enemies. Come on, there's some people you say, hey, how you doing? Well, under the circumstances... <laughs> don't, don't live under the circumstances. Because let's face it, in the day-to-day, -day, you can lose sight of God's transcendent greatness. The water heater goes out, the lawnmower breaks, the tires are running low. You get in the middle of a situation and you go, I'm just fixing to cry, y'all. But... It's all right, but you know what? While you're crying, go ahead and worship God. While you're crying, go ahead and pray. While you're crying, go ahead and serve. While you're crying, stay planted in your church. Don't let all that stuff move you away. Don't let that stuff rule you. You got to rule in the midst of your enemies because ultimately God will bring his will to pass in your life. Come on, somebody. I want to pray with you guys. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Father, 
As we come before you today, I'm praying for every person in this room. I know we're all facing walls. We're all facing giants. We're all facing difficulties in our life. But I'm praying that a fresh revelation of the greatness of God and a fresh revelation of how important we are to your plan on the earth. Father, that we would just continue to worship you, to pray, to seek you, to do your will in the earth, no matter what enemy is around us. Just while your head is bowed, your eyes are closed. Come on, just a few moments left together. Maybe you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Come on, let's step into that. Maybe you're here today and you know there was a day when you used to be more on fire, more in love, more committed to Jesus than you are today. Today would be a great day to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you really stand with God. I just want to pray with you. You want to surrender to Christ for the first time? You want to come back and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm back. Or you just want to be sure you're right with God. You say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high and say, that's me. God bless you right here. God bless you right here. Just lift your hand real high. Just be brave. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Anybody else? Come on. This is, this is just your moment. No shame involved in this. This is just a great moment to say, yes, I'm coming back home. Yes, I'm surrendering to Jesus. Yes, I want to be sure. God bless you. Come on, anybody else? Let's pray together. This Hands go up all over the room. Thank you for your honesty, your authenticity. I want us to pray together. This is for everybody who lifted their hands, but let's all do this. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a new beginning for my life as I surrender to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.